Bob, we got Ashley on the line. What do you want to ask him? For going forward to be able to hit your 200 unit number, what's the plan financially for that? Are you going to syndicate or take a supplemental from 32 unit or what's the game plan? The path I'm on right now is a straight syndication model. The things that I've done recently to help get myself ready for that, I've got a website, I've got a mm-hmm. an email system, I've got a great database of relationships that I already have after my 15-year career as a broker. And so I've kind of parlayed that, customized the database, and I'm sending out video updates, mm-hmm. things like this. I'm growing the awareness that, hey, Ash, as he's had success doing this himself. And now I'm I'm ready to share this with other people. And 2023 is going to be a great year for it. This is the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Now, this podcast is designed for the aspiring apartment investor and literally gives them the opportunity to ask the questions that will help them get to the next level. So if you're an aspiring apartment investor, this podcast is for you. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Educational Community. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to succeed at apartment investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe, director of the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Education Group. And I'm very excited for today's show. It's another one of our Ask the Expert episodes. We've got two great guys on the line with us today. We've got our experienced investor, Ashley Garner, and aspiring investor, Bob Mason. So guys, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Great. Glad to have you guys. Ashley, you're going to be up first. So let's talk a little bit about you. So do us a favor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, great. Well, I am 52 years old, married and got two kids. And that factors into a lot of my big why that we'll probably hit, hit on later. I've never had a quote unquote real job that I would say. I've had very few W-2 jobs. I've always had a 1099 type job, which is still a job, uh, by the way. It's it's just an IRS distinction about how you pay your taxes, but it's still very much a job. Keep that in mind. Yeah. I mean, if you go to the rich dad, poor dad, or cash flow quadrant, it's an S instead of an E is a difference. Yeah. Right. Right. So I grew up in uh, in real estate. My dad was a banker, and mm-hmm. but he always had a, a side hustle going on with a flipping a house or you know, uh, that kind of thing. And as I entered the high school age, he started buying what were student rentals at the time mm-hmm. near a large university in the town we lived in. And they were old houses, and then they would internally subdivide it into two, three, four units, depending yeah. on the size of the house, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I was 16, 17, 18. And uh, so I learned to dig out broken sewer lines and put vinyl siding on houses and do Mm -hmm. all that. And then, you know, moved into the leasing and the financing and the legal aspect. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of learned that mom and pop way of investment real estate from the start, right? Yeah. And then like any good teenager and young adult, I thought I knew more than anyone else did. So I had to go do my own thing, right? Yeah, that's every teenager in the world. And I've had a few. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I took my time and you know, I worked for a real estate appraiser. I worked for real estate brokers, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I then I, I actually got to work with my dad in the in the development business and some commercial real estate types things. Then my the main part of my career has been as a real estate broker. So residential real estate broker, I call that my day job. And, you know, I thought I was doing pretty good of, I'm a big fan of uh, rich dad, poor dad, and I and I get the passive income and, 
And that was all very important to me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I didn't like the fact that if I don't get out of bed and go to work, then I don't make a paycheck. And even to the point that if I die or if I stop working, then, then it just, you know, the record scratches. And so that never, never set well with me. So I decided to buy larger multifamily properties on my own and started Mm -hmm. with duplex, triplex, then went to a 10 unit, then went to a 32 unit. And the 32 unit is the largest that I own right now. Mm -hmm. But I may have, I think I've achieved what most people would call financial freedom, right? If I didn't increase my expenses and my cost of living today, then I can exist, right? But when you reach a goal, then you realize there are other goals. Yes. So, so now my my goal now is a thousand units in five years uh, with two hundred units in twenty twenty three. Okay, nice. That's what I'm I'm actively working on right now. So you got the box checked, and uh, I mean I'm I'm at the same spot. You know, I if I stopped working, I would exist. You know, we eat beans and rice every day, but the mortgage would be paid. But right. yeah, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. I mean, my my first goal was to replace my W two, and it's replaced, and it's going to keep coming. But now there's always a next the next goal and other goals. So well, right. cool, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about getting into those first couple of larger units, and you know, walk me through some of the challenges you had. You know, going from the two plexes to the the larger and larger up to the thirty two. Yeah. Well, I'd say the the biggest hurdle for me, and mm-hmm. I'm still working to overcome it is just mental. You know, like I said, I grew up, I understand the nuts and bolts, the paper side of the business, like the back of my hand, like, like breathing air. But the difference to me was I grew up in the duplex triplex world, mom and pop hands on. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I realized that I, I was mathematically eliminated from making the money I wanted to make if I kept it at that pace. Yeah. And so I had to go bigger. And so that, all right, you know, Ash, you can do this. You can handle it. It's the same. It's just 10 more units or 30 more units instead of one or two. Yeah. So that was the hard part for me. And so the 32 unit I thought was going to be my first entry into syndication mm-hmm. structure. Yep. And so uh, it's funny because I, you know, I've been to the trainings and mm-hmm. I, I've been, to, I've, I've read the books, I've done it all. So I was all geared up. I had my attorneys ready to go. Yep. And uh, this deal happened to only need like three hundred thirty-five thousand in cash, which yeah. to me at the time might as well have been thirty-five million, right? Yeah. So uh, I said, All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get you know seven investors at fifty grand a piece, and we're going to do that. So the first investor that I asked was a friend of mine, grew up with, and I said, Would you like to be a part of this? Here's the basic numbers. He said, Yeah, that sounds good. I said, Okay, well, you know it's. I'm going to do $50,000 shares. How much would you like to be in for? He's like, well, if we do it, we're just going to do it all. (laughs) Nice. So I was happy, thrilled. And then I was like, but wait, I didn't get to do my syndication. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a good problem to have though. I mean, it's a good problem to have that that one investor that writes the big check. So yeah. 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 So that was a, that was a learning experience for me about the perspective that there's a whole lot of money out there in the world. And if you can show them a good deal with a good return, the money's not usually the problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now something else I'll point out here, you know, how long did you know this guy? You said he was an old friend of yours. Yeah. I'd known him since college. Yeah. Yeah. I'd known him a long time. Yeah. Yeah, So, so I I think there's, there's, there's two parts to that. And I mean, you, you know this, but just explain talking to the listeners here, but uh, you know, there's, you have to have a a good deal that makes sense. The relationship is key as well. And he probably, 
you know, I would say three quarters of the reason he invested that much with you is because it was you, you know, and and not somebody else. So, no, I think you're right. He, you know, he knew my track record. He knew that I understood the business and, and there certainly was a level of trust there that I didn't have to, I didn't have to overcome that hurdle. So the relationship, like in any business is the key to that. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. And that's, that is the secret to capital raising. That is the secret to syndication is it's, it's the relationships. You know, if you focus on the relationships, I mean, obviously you got to be able to, to ask people, you know, pitch the, your deals and tell people what you're doing, but the secret's hundred percent relationships. You build right. the relationships and people are happy to invest with you. So let's talk about, you know, one, one of the projects you've done a little more detailed. I mean, you talked about the 32, you know, do you want to dive into that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one. Uh, the ten unit one was a great one, and I thought I would never do another deal that it was that good. Yeah, until I did the thirty two unit, and nice. uh, you know, I bought it at a price that was probably like thirty two thousand dollars a door in twenty eighteen, which yeah. now is unheard of, right? But at the time, it had probably twenty percent physical vacancy. Okay, I mean occupancy, and probably ten percent economic occupancy. It was yep. just poorly managed. It was a well-built four buildings, eight units apiece, all brick, near a you know, mile walk to a private university. So mm-hmm. all the things lined up yeah. and it had been poorly managed. So when I got it, uh basically it was it was empty for mm-hmm. all, all intents and purposes. And so we went about a full 32 unit, you know, uh renovation Mm-hmm. reposition if you will we changed the name we changed the the marketing and repositioned it in the community and you know now it's 90 it's one unit empty which i think is 96 uh percent yeah. and i keep way oh, almost yeah. like a model unit which is fine mm-hmm. nice um, my favorite thing about that deal was and, and not every deal can be this way the 10 mm-hmm. unit i put all my own money in but this the 32 unit i personally have put in zero dollars yep. the investor wanted all of it so mm-hmm. like okay you can have all of it yep then two, 18 months into the deal because mm-hmm. of the value add that we did we were able to refinance it cash out mm-hmm. we stocked up the uh replacement reserves account yeah we gave the investor all of their money back and so now nobody has any money in the deal mm-hmm. and we just keep getting paid every month yeah, you just cash the checks. Yeah, that, that's that's a huge win right there, you know. And when you can do that, when you can give people their their money back and just hold the property and cash flow, something I've been realizing is a lot of syndicators talk about passive income, but when you're selling the property in eighteen to twenty four months, there's not a lot of passive income there, you know. So what you're doing is you refinanced, you're giving them their investment back. That's passive income. You know, now they're now they're cash flowing forever. That's passive income. So, right. yeah, yeah, love it. Now, yeah, how right. how did you set up the deal? I mean, you you had one guy who's bringing all the equity. You know, what were your what were your splits and and different ownership percentages? Well, so in this particular one, it was fifty point one percent me and forty nine point nine percent them. Okay, and that was mainly just so I could run it and make the decisions, but. Yeah. You know, when I when I set out, you know, you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know that traditionally the syndication structure is 80-20 with 80% going to the limited partners, 
or whatever. I, I just kind of, we just struck a deal, you know, yeah. that's what's great about this kind of stuff is that every deal is different mm-hmm. and you just, you just make the deal that works for both sides. Yep. Now, in, in this case, I, I'd argue that 80, 20, I mean, it sounds like it was a lot of work. I mean, you start out with 20% occupancy. Yeah. Um, in, in those cases, you know, I, I think the the splits that are more favorable towards you are, are merited, you know? So, I mean, yeah, yeah, a lot of times, you know, 70, 20, 70, 30, 80, 20, but what I've seen from the syndicators who are doing the deals with a lot of hair on it, like the that the 20% occupancy, the full rehabs, their splits aren't 80, 20, you know, they're usually coming in, you know, 65, 35, and and sometimes 60, 40, but you know, it's just because it's a lot of work. So I I, I still think you got a a pretty good deal and uh, sounds like your, your buddy had a pretty good deal too. Oh yeah. It was definitely a win-win situation. And I had my, uh, I had the acquisition fee to me. I had, I still have the uh, asset management fee, which mm-hmm. is a small percentage of the gross rents. Yep. And that comes in every quarter. I get a check for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do monthly distributions just because mm-hmm. we're at the point where the cash flow is such that we can do that mm-hmm. and still maintain our levels of reserves. Um, so yeah, if every deal that I could do from now on could be like this, I would be, yeah. I would be very happy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for you, no money in a lot of work. And now you've got a, a stream of cash flow as long as you own the property. You got equity that's building, and you know as as things appreciate, you know you're just your net worth grows and grows and grows, and you're still got that right. income stream. So that's right. As an and we've still got a three point seven five percent interest rate on the fixed debt for another, I think, five years. So. Yeah. Well, at least I don't have to worry about that right now. Thank goodness. No, that's that's also a huge bonus. I mean, yeah. looking at rates right now, I mean, fives and sixes are, are where where you know most of the rates are starting right now, depending on what what loan product and where you're at. Actually, our, our last acquisition, we had a floating loan, and it's at uh, it's at seven and a quarter right now. So, okay. yeah, I mean, we're we're waiting for that those rates to come back down. I hope they come back down quickly. We're I mean, we're we're paying our bills, but. Uh, Man, that same property with a 3% loan would just scream. But uh, right. yeah, right. so cool, cool. Well, let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about why, you know. So what's your big burning why? Yeah, well, like I said, my family factored a lot into it. The mindset of knowing, the freedom mindset really to mm-hmm. the mindset of a, of abundance versus scarcity instead of I'd like to do these things or I'd like to experience these things knowing that we can do them versus, well, I need to ask off time for work, or I need mm-hmm. to check and see if I can afford to go do it. I just, those limiting factors were troubled me and still do. And so that's, that's why I still have, I still have the same motivations for that. And I really would like my children to learn that mindset or at least be around and know that that's a real way to live versus feeling the the burden of Oh, I can't, I have to work or I'm stressed, stressed out. Yeah. You know, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And I think a lot of that is a mindset. I understand that there are different situations in life and I respect that 100%. And I also am very grateful that I am in the situation that I'm able to be in versus others. But I do think it's a mindset that helps you step into the the next role. And I want, I want my family to learn that. I appreciate that you shared that. And as you're doing that, I've I've got two daughters in their 20s and I've got three kids in elementary school, which is, you know, a, a big gap. 
but you know, I, I think the the preponderance of my older daughter's lives, I was I was in that paycheck to paycheck mentality. And I think my my younger kids are gonna it'd be interesting to see how things are, you know, 20 years from now, how how each one of those kids think and what they're doing when they hit 40. But there's still time. I mean, there, there's still plenty of time and I can still influence, but yeah, it's you you want your kids to learn that so that they don't have to, you know, relive the same lessons you did. So Cool. Well, last question. And uh, that's what's next for you. Yeah. So my goal is a thousand units in five years. And so that's 200 units this year in 2023. So as as we speak, literally before, you know, two hours ago today, I sent out another LOI. I sent out one two days ago. And nice. the, The one that I sent today was a was $3 million and 35 units. Mm-hmm. But the one I said two days ago was $22 million on 180 units. So I'm forcing myself to step again outside of that's yeah. another comfort level that I haven't achieved yet. I'm forcing myself to get outside of that. Yeah. But as I do it, I realize it's the same. It's just the same business. It's just yeah. a bigger number. That's all it is. And uh, yeah, and, and you start getting this. This is what happened to me. I was very hesitant, you know, on the the one million. You know, anytime something hits seven figures, you know, I didn't want to look at it at first. You know, and pretty soon I got comfortable with seven figures with a one in front of it. And okay, okay, that's obtainable. I mean. I could probably find five people at a, you know fifty thousand dollars each, and that'll that'll get me to that point. But the the more you deal with larger and larger numbers, you know, the more they seem obtainable, you know, and it's less of that that sticker shock. So that was the exact same thing I went through, and just starting to open the aperture a little bit and allow those larger deals to come in. You know, it, it does help. It does help. So, well, cool. Hey, thanks for sharing that. Very much appreciate it. We're going to switch gears now and bring Bob on. So, Bob, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. So, do us a favor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I guess I'm a little opposite of uh, Ashley. <laughs> I grew up. My dad was uh, worked in a factory, yeah. actually, for uh, GM Lordstown. And basically, he was, you know, go to college, get a good job. Go to college, get yeah. a good job. And that's uh, that's exactly what I did. Went to Penn State for uh architectural engineering and became a structural engineer. I've got my own firm now. And along the way, uh, you know, basically did some capital project management, have uh, flipped some houses along the way. I've also passively invested in some syndications. And yeah, basically, uh, you know, what what I do now, um, you know, is kind of uh, very niche uh, as mm-hmm. far as structural repair goes. I've got three daughters uh, and a wife as well. Quite frankly, uh, they're probably not going to become uh, structural repair engineers. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, as far as getting, you know, basically teaching them a skill that they can take into adulthood where, you know, if they want to be an artist or, you know, a singer or any, any, anything that, uh, you know, basically they're going to struggle financially for a while, you know, basically I want to get them a, a financial kind of knowledge baseline so that you know basically they can uh, chase after whatever they want yeah yeah absolutely yeah and i i mean i i look at what i did and you know i, I spent 20 years in the military and I, I feel the same way it's not because uh you know i i didn't leave with like a bad taste in my mouth or anything but i don't particularly want my kids to be in the military you know because it was a, it was a hard life and my my dad had the same opinion you know about me he was a a letter carrier. He mail, delivered mail for thirty something years, and he said the same thing to me: "Is I don't want you to do what I'm doing. I want you. I want you to get into something better." So, 
I think that's that's something that all three of us have in common is we want our kids to learn a better way of of life. But uh, so Bob, along the structural engineer lines, I mean, I, I've I've walked a lot of properties and that looks like they might need structure repairs. Are, are you the type of structural engineer that goes in and you know fixes those problems on large multifamily? Uh, yeah, so uh, we would make those recommendations. Also, before before I had kids, I would do a lot of property condition assessments. So. I guess a little bit opposite of uh, Ashley was, uh, you know, so I, I would do that for the, the really big properties. So yeah. your, your 100, 200, $300 million properties. So essentially, you you know, it's just like buying a house. You go in and do an inspection, except for, for that large of a property, you you hire specific firms that do property condition assessments. Mm-hmm. And then they, they basically gather a whole bunch of experts. There's a specific elevator guy. I think he was a elevator technician but uh essentially he would tour the country riding up and down on top of elevators uh so i would do you know building facades structural repair uh structure parking garages things like that so awesome so i kind of got exposed to much bigger stuff but uh to what both you guys were talking about uh you know the numbers you know for for me to be able to personally invest were just you know yeah out of uh yeah. <laughs> completely out of mind <laughs> yeah i remember i remember the first time getting into you know, when I started looking at apartments, you know, I I was I was doing essentially what what Ash was doing is, you know, buying stuff, trying to buy stuff for myself, and you know, I sold a couple single families, and I'm like, okay, I've got, you know, this much money sitting in the bank that can buy me an eight hundred thousand dollar property, you know, and that that's how I started out, but you know, I, I had no idea how people were buying these gigantic apartment complexes, but I'm glad I learned. Yeah, I'm glad I learned, but uh, that's cool. It's cool. I mean, when when we're we're looking at properties that have structural issues, I'll have to call you, you know, and and see what you absolutely. Can tell us. But that's uh, that's that's basically my main specialty that yeah. I that we focus on. I I've walked away from a couple of, of of properties because of structural issues, you know, where you see okay, look, there's there's big cracks on the outside, lots of so so far for what I've done, I, I've walked away from stuff like that because I know it's I know it can get expensive and I know it's a, a big deal, but. Uh, Anyway, glad to know somebody doing that. Hopefully, Absolutely. hopefully you would get you out of doing that and you're, you know, multifamily investing for the rest of your life. But Absolutely. Uh, so you, you talked a little bit about family and, and reasons why you're doing things, but if, if we could boil that down and focus on that for a little bit, you know, what is your why? My why is pretty similar to, to Ash's where uh, basically, yeah, if I, if I don't wake up and um, go to work, uh, you know, basically uh, mortgage doesn't get paid and we yeah. don't eat. So it would be, you know, my ideal next level would be getting to the point where uh, essentially our living costs are, are covered with, with passive investments. And that's that's basically what uh, what my goal is right now. So awesome. Awesome. Get those living costs. Now, now one level deeper, you know, how would your life change if if you reach that? Uh, I'd probably be able to take off uh, time a little more. Um, I'm probably uh, a self-proclaimed, a little bit of a workaholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh, so probably gearing down a little bit more there. Uh, and then again, you know, um, you know, getting that knowledge of investing in apartments mm-hmm. uh, is going to be a skill I'm going to be able to um, share with my wife and, and daughters, and so that they can kind of grow up learning that. So that you know, so that's a sk- life skill that they'll have going forward. Awesome. Well, cool. Let's let's see if we can uh, give you a little bit of a couple pointers here and there to get you on that that path. So, Bob, we got Ashley on the line. What do you want to ask him? 
you nailed my first question. I was I wanted was going to want to talk to you about your first deal. So that that ten unit uh, <laughs> sounded pretty good. So actually, I have I guess a few few follow up questions for the thirty two unit. Did did your uh, did you have a single investor on that one, or is that the first one you actually syndicate? Yeah, so the ten unit one I actually bought myself. So I used my own cash to for the down payment portion, and it was a much lower purchase price, you know, relative to anything we're talking about now. The 32 unit, I had the one partner for. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. For the for the 32 unit, how, how long did it take you to, to rehab? And uh, basically, was that just a, uh, you had that as a line item for, for all of your holding costs during that, what, 12, 18, 24 month time period? Yeah. So I had, uh, in my pro forma, I had a refinance scheduled at about year three. That was my, that's what I thought it would look like. We actually reached the point where we could do the refinance in, in 18 months. So we were ahead of schedule, but it was it was 18 months of some serious mm-hmm. grind on the management of that that renovation project. Mm-hmm. So we had the contractors lined up. You know, we had I actually th- this was probably actually the first of all my his all my projects and all my, my history that I didn't actually swing a hammer on at least once. <laughs> Up until yeah. this one, I had, I participated somehow in the physical renovation, and when I got to this one, I realized you know I can't even make a dent in it myself. This is you know I'm gonna I'm gonna run it like a business, and I'm gonna manage it, and I'm not gonna swing a hammer. And so I had, you know, all that lined up and it took about 18 months. As we finished a building, we were able to to lease it up and we've been we've been building rents ever since and we're still pushing them. I, I still personally don't think we've reached the uh the full market rate, which is kind of nice cuz I still have value I can add. Yeah. Yeah, 18 Absolutely. months. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. That's a good That's a good time period. I guess for that 32 unit, what's what's your length of hold? I know you said that basically you cashed out your investor. And uh, I mean, do you have, um, I mean, is it 5, 10, infinity? What's, uh... That's a great question. And it's probably a little different on this one just because of the ownership structure. You know, it's, it's, it's me and it's a friend of mine. And versus me and, you know, 50 other limited partners. But on this one, you know, we have we have no money in it. We have fully stocked reserve account. We have room still to grow the rents and we're making a great cash flow as it is. And and yes, trust me, two years ago, 18 months ago, it was very tempting to to try to think that we might sell that thing and make, you know, millions yeah. of dollars because the cap rates were so low. Mm-hmm. But we just could never get our head around, all right, if we take this millions of dollars, what do we we can't go buy anything because the prices are too high. They're mm-hmm. silly. So we just decided we would keep this one. And you know, one day it might make sense to do another cash out refinance and use that money to go step into another property and continue to own this one. That's really kind of what we hope to do on this one. When you were kind of going through that exercise of do we sell now 18, 18 months ago or so, did you did you think about refining at that point in time or were the rents just not up to where you would have been able to get your realize the full potential for the refi? Yeah, I think I think at that point our basic criteria or the the reason we ended up in the decision we did is that it it wasn't enough of a swing one way or the other for the effort to go through the effort. You know, we had already refinanced it once. The interest rate is fabulous. Our cash position is fabulous. 
And we just didn't, we, we just weren't ready to do that on that one. Now the 10 unit one, I'll back up and tell you on the 10 unit one, this is kind of fun. I haven't had any money in that place for 13 years. I refinanced it three different times. Mm-hmm. I, I've basically used it like an ATM machine to go and I bought a, yeah. another 14 bedroom property. I've bought houses to add to different portfolios. So it's just amazing. The power, once you get your head around that, now that becomes addictive because you say, oh, wait a minute, then this thing just buys more things and I just keep going like that. Like, yeah, that's really what happens. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, you talked about rich dad, poor dad. That's exactly what he teaches. You know, you, you buy assets, you use those assets to create more assets. And I mean, that that's like textbook rich dad, poor dad right there. Right. And then you don't pay taxes either. So you get, you get that benefit. You're using the other people's money and you know, all of these things. And what's great that you'll soon, I think Bob, you'll soon get hooked on this also is that, you know, you read the books, you you listen to the podcast, but it really does work like that in real life. For going forward to to be able to hit your uh, 200 unit number, what, uh, what's the plan financially for that? Are are you going to syndicate or take a supplemental from the 32 unit or what's the what's the game plan the path i'm on right now is a straight syndication model the things that i've done recently to help get myself ready for that i've got a website i've got a mm-hmm. an email system i've got a great database of relationships that i already have after my 15 year career mm-hmm. as a broker and so i've kind of parlayed that customized the database and I'm sending out video updates, mm-hmm. things like this. I'm growing the awareness that, hey, Ash, is, he's had success doing this himself. And now I'm I'm ready to share this with other people. And 2023 is going to be a great year for it. And so if you have any questions, now's the time to ask because coming soon, the deals are going to be here and we need to be ready to pull the trigger. Nice. Nice, nice. Right. Oh, cool. Bob, we got other questions or? Uh, yeah, I guess what, what kind of deals are you going to be chasing after? Uh, basically uh, deals with that uh, are getting caught uh, with a high floating rate or, or loan balances come due? Well, I think that's probably going to be uh, uh, some of them. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I haven't I haven't seen that yet. Well, what I what I'm what I'm seeing now is more deals are coming available in the last 30 days. It's been a large increase in the number of deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prices are coming down, so it's getting closer to the point that uh, the sellers ask is about what I need it to be to make the numbers make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, one interesting thing, Bob, now that you brought it up, is that a, a lot of the deals that are for sale right now have only been owned by the current owner two years, one year, you know, very short period of time. So that's, that's got to mean that they're up against some kind of motivation to sell. They pay, they pay too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would think so. That's something, I mean, when something that that I'll, I'll point out and, you know, as this goes back to your 32 unit, you know, if your plan is to, to hold it for a longer period of time, you know, it doesn't matter as much where in the cycle we're at, you know, it, yeah, we we might a year ago we might have been buying at a high, but that that matters if you're trying to sell a year or two later. You know, if you're if you're in that flipping two to three year hold, you know, or if you have that that two to three year bridge debt that's going to come due, then it matters a lot. You know how much you paid for it, but you know when you start looking at long term, um, I don't think 
I don't think what we're seeing right now is going to be anywhere close to you know 2008, 2009 timeframe where prices slid a ton. You know, I, I think we're going to have a little bit of a slide, you know, maybe a flat lining in some areas and then shooting back up. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're buying right now, you still be careful. Um, do everything you can to mitigate. Make sure you're cash flowing. Um, and then, like I always say, you, you buy real estate to wait, and over time, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna do well. That's right. That's the hope. So that's the hope. Anyway, Bob, back to you if you got more. I guess the the last question would be: uh, Would you do one of those big thirty two unit renovating the whole thing in in eighteen months again? Yeah, I think I probably would. Uh, I also think that that was I did those. The ten unit was a was just a big uh, lift as far as value add. It was in rough shape, and that's what I was always used to. That's what I grew up doing. So I, I you know have something that's really bad, and then use your own hammer and tools to make it better. And so I was used to that. But I'm beginning to I'm get, beginning to to see and know the power of you. Don't always have to do that. That some things make sense just as they are. And, you know, maybe maybe the percentage the percentage increases aren't as great, but neither is 18 months of solid work on it. You, your, your time has value. And I put a lot of time into that. So I had a significant investment, even though it wasn't a dollar bill right up front. Yeah. Uh, so I, I probably would, but I also am, am opening my mind to deals that don't need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll tell you a couple of things. We I started in, in C class value add and we had a lot of deals that needed a lot of work. You know, the the third property I bought especially, you know, needed a ton of work. And we we bought it at about 50% occupancy, not realizing how much work it would need to get it back up to a hundred. You know, and you know, here's here's a deal for here, here's something for anybody listening. You know, if it's at 20% occupancy, it's not a management problem. There's probably something physically wrong with that property as well. Yeah, maybe management got it there, but it's going to be a heavy lift. It's going to take a lot of work turning it around. You know, and Ash is shaking his head north and south right now. So, I mean, yeah, it was a management problem that got it there, but the reason they can't just flip the switch and go from 20% occupancy to 100% occupancy is there's a lot of physical problems as well. There's deferred maintenance. There's, you know, things that are just broken, you know, and you got to go in and remediate and fix all that stuff, you know? Amen. Yeah. You don't, I mean, you, you can put the best manager in the world on top of that, but you know, you're going to have to fix a lot of stuff before you get into it. So anyway, I see a lot of um, talking about that type of deal. I, I see a lot of new, new and newer investors, you know, who, who come to me thinking something, they have a really good deal and it's just like, look, you're going to have to put a lot of work into that. You know, it's it's not just a, you know, flip the switch and go and 5,000 a unit's not going to cut it. You know, let's bump that up by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> go from there. But uh, anyway, yeah, very, very, <laughs> I'm sure it was a rewarding job in a lot of ways. But, you know, I think Ash from, from here on out, I mean, you, you've done the heavy value ads. You can, you've proved you can do it. Now it's yeah. just a matter of, do you want to continue to do it? You know? Yeah, it, it's definitely more of a job. Uh, and I will say one thing, since you brought up the the, pri- the the price per unit on the renovation, one thing that that I wish I had done better, maybe the one, I'll say, you know, no one's perfect, right? So I had to make a mistake. But 
The one mistake I remember making on the 32 unit is that I thought I had a pretty good budget, pretty conservative budget for, mm-hmm. for renovation, but I didn't, I missed it. And yes. it was, it cost more than I thought. Mm-hmm. And so now you're in a position, do you go back to your investors and say, Hey, I need more money. Cause the bank's yeah. not going to get any more. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, luckily I had my cash position from one of these other properties that we just talked about was such that I basically ended up loaning Mm-hmm. the entity that owned the 32 unit enough cash to get the renovation done so i could get to the refinance and then i paid myself back but had i not had that i would have had to make a very uncomfortable phone call to my friend slash investor saying hey man i screwed up you need 200k or yeah whatever yeah yeah and that's not so in any deal that you do try to always have more money than you think yeah. for the renovations and you can always give it back or you can save it in reserves but it's better to ask up front than to have to go back and ask later yeah yeah that's a really good point and what was what was your average you know cost per unit on the renovation do you remember that yeah it was about 7500 bucks which the deals I'm underwriting now that's almost double to yeah. do the same thing is almost 15 grand to do what yes. I could do for 75 back then and yeah. that was only like five years ago. Yeah, and we we saw that we we've seen the same thing. I mean, our first acquisition was 2019, and there there was one property that we started renovating in early 2020, and two years later, I mean, we were still churning a couple of units, and the exact same work went from eight thousand a door to twelve thousand a door. You know, we didn't change anything we were doing; just yeah. labor prices have gone up, product prices have gone up, and it's yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. think five thousand a door doesn't buy you anything anymore. So, no. hey, hey Ash, so for that uh, fifteen uh, a unit, I mean, you know, basically broad brush. What what's that scope look like? Seventy five hundred a unit, right? Well, well back. Then, oh yeah, 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 fifteen now. Yeah, fifteen now. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at uh, you know, kind of the standard menu for for updating a unit would be paint, flooring, mm-hmm. uh, lighting, uh, appliances. And then hopefully you can get away with not replacing all of the cabinets, but but a lot of times you have to do them. Maybe you can reface them, but a lot of times you have to replace all of the cabinets. Um, and what then about the the tubs? How, what about the tubs? Do you reface them or do you replace them for that for that fifteen? No, we replace them as needed, but not in every yeah. not in every unit. You know, you go in and start tearing out bathrooms and stuff, and it's it gets expensive yeah. real fast. We yeah. will glaze tubs and that's, that's a pretty inexpensive, makes them look like new. As long as there's no big cracks or anything, as long as right. structurally the tubs look what look fine, um, a nice glaze over the top of it is going to make it look new and it's going to pop and shine. And um, depending on where you get it done, it's about 800 bucks. So a lot cheaper than a new tub. Well, we are about out of time. So one last question for each of you to wrap things up. Ash, you get to go first. How can listeners learn more about you? Oh, yeah. Great. So I like Instagram. So I've got two Instagram accounts. One is a, at ABG Multifamily. Okay. And one is at ABG Real Estate. And then I've got a website that's abgmultifamily.com. And those are probably the, the best ways to get a hold of them. All right. Sounds good. Bob, same question for you. How can listeners learn more about you? Uh, yeah. So um, I don't have a personal website, but uh, <laughs> probably email uh, would be the best. Uh, Bob, the structural engineer at gmail.com. All right. 
almost like Bob the Builder. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you got to make a little show on that. So Bob, the structural engineer at gmail.com. Love it. So we'll put uh, uh, those those links in the show notes. And uh, well, guys, thanks a lot for coming on the show today. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. And then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.